Real Life, Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media. Yeah, the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. to an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one of the court appoint one for you. You understand your rights? Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But Detective Overton made you should have turned to shit. <laughs> This episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast may contain descriptions of acts of violence or that are of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I did not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or from some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes are the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today, we're doing... Another Ask Me Anything episode. And y'all seem to like these a lot. I've done a couple over the years. And it's time for another one before we kick off our new season next week of me going back and telling my original stories, right? So thank you to everyone who's sending you questions. I hope I got them all covered. So I'm just going to go raw and unscripted. And I guess you'll get a story or two out of it. (laughs) Uh, Stay tuned at the end for some crew bash announcements, the Lopa raffle announcements, and some real-life, real-crime announcements. So let's get started. And the first question comes from Amanda Widikin, W-I-G-H-T-K-I-N. And Amanda says, have any perps ever reached out to you in regards to you telling a story about them, like the trailer park lady. Well, Amanda, you hit the nail on the head on that one, sweetheart. Very right after I dropped the episode about Kathy Bernard and the trailer park and all that, I had a phone call, and it showed up as coming out of Livingston, and it was some girl that said she represented uh, Kathy Bernard or whatever, and you know, Kathy wanted to talk to me. And so I got on the phone with Kathy, and she was livid, right? And she started out with, I did not fart and stand Carpenter's office. And, you know, she said, I respected you so much before this, and we always got along and, and everything. She basically chewed my ass out. Um, uh, you know, it is what it is. But I thought I was going to get her on an episode, and then I 
decided against it. But yeah, she's reached out to me. As far as other ones, that's that's the one Amanda sticks in my head the the biggest, if you will. And I don't know. So, but you know what? I don't make any apologies for it. I'm I'm just telling the the stories as I remember them, or they come from public record. Okay, that's nothing I said. That's not a matter of public record, pretty much. And I, Farden and Stan's office, I mean, I heard that, right? I was just telling them, repeating what I heard. But great question, Amanda. I appreciate you so much, all right? So, Feline Keller. Feline asked me, I've always wondered if you've ever encountered anything paranormal-like while patrolling. Well, Feline that really should be a story, but yes, I have. And you know what? I think I'm gonna. You, you know, I, I two things popped in my mind, and one of them, I, I, I you know, what? I, I need to tell these Feline in story format, and um, I may start out the next season with it because they're really interesting. But I mean, I definitely believe in the paranormal. I absolutely one thousand believe in it. I've seen it. I still get goosebumps to this day for both of the incidents that I that I was a part of, if you will, or what I, what I saw. But I tell you what, you better damn well believe that I, I believe that spirits exist in 1,000% both good and bad. I, I believed I believed my whole life, but I've actually seen some pretty freaky, undeniable stuff on two different cases. And you know what, Feline, I'm going to do that episode. You just gave me a genius idea, and I appreciate it. You can stay tuned on that one because it will be coming. All right. Thank you, sweetie. All right. So, Wendy LeBlanc. And now I'm just reading this as they come up and then pop whatever pops in my head is what I'm going to say. Wendy asks, What was the funniest case you've ever worked on if there was one? Wendy, I, you know, there's so many. <laughs> What I may think is funny because other people probably don't and or vice versa or whatever. But anytime oh Lord. I mean, anytime someone shit themselves in front of me, like literally shit themselves, I'll never forget driving down the interstate and I saw a car, it was nighttime, I saw a car parked on the side of the road and I pull over and the trunk was open on the car. And I didn't see anybody around. I pulled over and I lit up with the spotlight and I called it in. I was in uniform patrol and we had just gotten cameras in the car. And I don't think I had my microphone on, but the camera came on. I got out and as I got out and come around to the trunk of the car, I see this lady come running up out of the woods and she's just screaming bloody murder. I'm like, holy shit. I mean, like, you know, I, I think maybe she's been raped or something, right? She's coming up, running up the embankment and she had on white shorts. And she and I was like, what's, what's wrong? I mean, she's screaming. She's saying, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go so bad. And the, the, y'all probably won't think this is funny. but And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you could see me on camera. I was like, held my hand up because she was like running at me towards me aggressively. And then she stopped and she just bent over and she turned away from me and she let loose. And I don't know what that poor lady had been eating, but it looked like burnt black motor oil spilling through her shorts and down her legs. And I was, you could see me on camera. I'm going, oh, I mean, like backing up, you know, backwards and, you know, whatever that 
anyway, I stayed. She got in her car and changed, whatever. I had some paper towels in the truck of my car. But I guess, I mean, stuff like that to me is funny after the fact. Uh, if you could have seen my face on the video when she started letting loose of her bowels, I guess you would call it. And I, I mean, I'm not picking on the lady, but that was funny. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. The, the, the guy who zipped his, uh, his penis up in his zipper, that was pretty funny. I mean, not funny for him, but he called 911, and they sent me out on the call, and I got there, and he's, like, standing there. I'm like, what's wrong, sir? You called 911, and it's a medical emergency, right? But but they wanted me there. Uh, one of my awesome dispatchers, I'm sure, wanted me to have this visual treat. And he lifted up his shirt, and literally he had zipped his dick up in his zipper. And I was like, holy shit. And he was like, I mean, like, it had some blood on it too, but I mean, it wasn't a squirt or anything like that. But I was like, oh my God, man. And and he said, I know, I know. I zipped it up. And, and uh, it, you know, I said, does it hurt? He said, it hurts if, if I move. I said, well, fuck, don't move. <laughs> it was on the way. But then I back up. We had a code system where I would call out a certain code on the radio, like if it's something. It was a secret code that we made up, and I would call it out to my partners that were on patrol, like, you know, whatever the scale, the number was. I'm like, hey, this is a, you know, a 10, right? They knew that it was some seriously funny shit or, or weird shit, and they needed to come see it. And so, of course, I called it in, and, you know, they all came running, and all these cops are pulling up, and I think John Laudermill was one of them. And I told him what I had, and we went over, and, and the guy lifted his shirt again and showed his penis zipped up in the zipper. And they were like, ooh, damn, that you know that hurts. And then we were walking away from him, trying not to laugh. And the ambulance was showing up, and he said, uh, Deputy Overton, and he called me back over, and he said, uh, y'all going to be laughing about this for a long time, aren't you? And I said, be honest with you, sir, yes, we are. <laughs> But that was one of the funniest, Wendy. I mean, I, I just there's a thousand of those. But yeah, I'll never forget that one. I can promise you. So, all right, let's move on to the next one. Amy Acosta. Amy says, "Did you ever feel your family was in danger from someone you arrested or had an encounter with wanting retaliation?" Amy, I can tell you. Absolutely, yes. I don't really worry about myself so much. You know, I get threats almost daily, and I don't worry about myself so much. But I, because I don't, I don't like to think that I'm gonna let somebody catch me slipping. Right? You, know, you come into a restaurant or wherever I'm at, that I'm, I'm going to be sitting in the back corner with my back against the wall. So I can see everybody that's coming and moving around me, right? That's just old cop trick, and I never know. I mean, all with all the people that I've arrested and put in jail and prison and everything like that. I mean, and then like even on Courtney Coco's case, right? I never know who's coming after me, but I definitely, uh, you know, get threats and stuff all the time. I write most of those off. It's the people that don't threaten you that that scare me a little bit. Not They don't scare me. They make me a little bit afraid, which makes me aware, which keeps me on my toes. But the only way they can fuck with me is to fuck with my family. I can tell you that because they're not going to catch me slipping. But that's why, like at the live shows and stuff, you'll see I have security on, on my family. And that's the only reason why I don't worry about me. But thank you, Amy. I appreciate the question. All right, Dawn Clark. 
Dawn says, I only just found your podcast a few days ago. Totally loving it. And the one question that keeps popping into my mind is, is there anyone you've arrested at a young age who you felt is destined to be a career criminal, but who has astonished you by completely turning their self around to be a good citizen? Don, that is a freaking good question. Okay, now, you remember that, I don't know if y'all remember this or not, I told you I was a supervisor at uh, Florida Parish's Juvenile Detention Center way back in the 90s. And this wasn't a hug-a-thug program, right? This was a serious jail. The only reason you got locked up there, or the the a lot of the teens that got locked up there were there for murder, rape, whatever. I mean, it was there were some badasses, and I mean, they were in their own cells and not allowed to talk. I mean, but it's a real thug likes, right? But but basically, as the years would go on, the I've arrested a lot of them as adults. You know, as I progressed in my law enforcement career and, and, and made detectives, I'm telling you, I can't tell you how many I, re- I arrested as they were adults, right? And But there's one guy, and I'm not going to say his name, that was in on, on, on a robbery charge as a juvenile, and I was like, and he was straight up thug. I mean, it, and it, was, it was a white guy, a white teenager, and he was just you know, motherfucking us, and, you know, we had to fight him all the time, and I just thought, mm-hmm, I mean, he's going to make a good trustee somewhere one day, right? Because I just knew this guy was going to live a life of crime. But guess what? I was in, at a place to go buy some specialty meat, we'll say it like that, and I get up to the counter, and I'm ordering my steaks cut at an inch and three quarters, right? And turned out, the head butcher there sees me and he comes up. He said, Hey, Woody Overton. And I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, You don't know me. Remember me. And, and I didn't. This guy was growing up now, had facial hair, the whole nine yards. And he told me his name. I'm like, What? He said, He said, I just want to thank you for back in the day, you know, not being too hard on him, I guess, or whatever he said. And I want you to know I did turn my life around and, and I went to school and, and or I've been, trade what I don't know what you call it when you trained uh to be a butcher but that's what he did and he, he said hey I'm married I got kids and you know I, I make a good living and I just want you to know that I turned out all right so yeah that that one sticks in my head Don and I appreciate the question real life, real Hey, y'all, you know we're always traveling out of town Cindy and I and I remember she forgot her razor and we're getting ready to go out to a fancy dinner and a show thing, and she cut her legs to shreds with the cheap one we had to get from the hotel. Well, then we found Athena Club. Athena Club's razor is designed with built-in skin guards to help prevent razor burn while being gentle on curves. The razor blade is surrounded by a water-activated serum with shea butter and hyaluronic acid, which is a holy grail for skin care. The best part is the razor kit is only $9 and comes with two blade heads and a magnetic hook for shower storage and your choice of handle color. And the razor has six color options, but they also have black and white razors, which I've never seen before from other brands. Cindy has the sky blue color. She loves it. Plus, you'll never have to worry about running out of refills or being stuck with dull or overused razors. You can choose how often replacement blades are sent to you with free shipping. That means fresh, 
ready-to-use razors always arrive right when you need them. Also, you have to try their cloud shave foam. Cindy hadn't used shaving cream in a long time, but she found it to be such a premium experience with the cloud shave foam that it nourished her skin while she shaved. She loves it. Show your skin you care with the Athena Club Razor Kit. Sign up today and you'll get 20% off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com and use promo code RLRC. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with promo code R-L-R-C for 20% off. Real life, real crime. All right, so let's go to the next one. Lindsay Schultz. Lindsay is a great lifer. Lindsay asks, where would you like to see yourself career-wise in five years? And you know what, Lindsay? That is such a great question. And she says, I'm hoping for another book. Thanks, Woody. I don't, I can't even grasp that concept. Um, I mean, it's been three years since the start of Real Life, Real Crime, and look where we are now. I mean, and I've got so many other opportunities and things that are coming my way that I can't even fathom. But if I had to sit down and say, you know, in five years, of course, naturally, I would want to say I want to have the number one show in the world, right? I want the whole world to be lifers and love real life, real crime. Well, that's not totally going to happen because a lot of people don't like the fact that I'm raw and unscripted and do the maybe not politically correct and shit like that, right, Lindsay? And, but it is what it is. But I would like to continue to grow Real Life Real Crime and in the lifers. And yeah, but now we have our own Real Life Real Crime community app and we're growing all the time. I've turned down numerous television shows in the past. We're probably going to do something on that real soon. So who knows? There's a lot of stuff that I think is going to happen in, in five years. I would like Real Life Real Crime the, I mean, look, we signed with uh, iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media. That was a huge step. The day before the hurricane, Ida destroyed destroyed our home, right? But that having a big show production company behind us now and stuff, I mean, and they want to they they have presented me with a lot of different opportunities and and, and things that I'm thinking about or whatever. But so I don't know, Lindsay. I just want to keep growing. I know I'm blessed in you know, the patron members and convicts that have subscribed for all the bonus episodes and everything like that. That's just crazy how how people uh, have responded to this show, in good, bad, or indifferent, but just blessed. And I just want to see in five years, I would like to be, I guess, at the top of the game, Lindsay. You know, and what I really want to do is at some point be able to, you know, help families that are hurting and stuff like that. But we'll see. Just maybe five years, I'd like to be retired. <laughs> no, I, I I love this too much. I, I, hopefully in five years, we'll be doing the live shows more all over the country. COVID will be gone, and we'll just keep, keep rocking and doing what we do. Thanks, Lindsay, for always supporting us. I appreciate you. All right. Ruth Riddle says, have you ever worked an international case? All right, Ruth, I have apprehended several people uh, that were wanted internationally. But as far as working in an international case, yes. The, and there's one that I started to work on on, it was a counterfeiting case. And most people don't know that in the state of Louisiana, 
or the state of Louisiana has the toughest counterfeit laws in the United States of America. So like uh, these Chinese companies that are knocking off American products and stuff. And like, I mean, like Napa auto parts, they, you know, knocking it off with using their emblems and everything else and selling at half price, but it's Chinese products and not. So I, I was working on an undercover case one time on an auto parts deal where we kept buying stuff from this company acting like, we were another company, and uh, we're getting like trying to get the big wig to fly in for like the big half million dollar deal and meet us in Louisiana. And what what happened was, and it didn't happen. I'll, I'll explain that another day. What happened was when he c- came in, we were going to arrest him, and his bond would have been x x amount. Uh, it would have been in the millions because. They knew he was going to flee the country first chance he got, but the total of the bond was the estimated value that he had taken this company for over the through the previous two years. So yeah, I've worked on an international case, and that's the one that jumps to the forefront of my mind. But I ended up the the day that the guy was supposed to be coming in, the I ended up catching a murder case that I'm going to tell you all about one day. That like that that morning I was on the way, and then I got the call on the murder case, and in I ended up working it instead, and they sent somebody else. So, all right. Thank you, Ruth. I appreciate it. All right, so Cassie, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it wrong, Pouche, I would say P-O-U-R-C-I-A-U, says, what advice would you give someone who would like to get into private investigation since you're one of the best investigators? Exclamation. Cassie, that's a really good question um i think it was like 19 it was early 1990s i actually got my private investigators license and back then i started my own company over to investigations and back then to tell you how long ago it was there were there were no cell phones i took out ads in the yellow pages uh, uh, like that's where you had to go look shit up right there the and the internet wasn't really readily available and all that and certainly there was no social media or anything like that. But back then, you when you got your license, you could do that, right? But what happened was I was so successful at it, it not only because of the cases that I busted, but I, would, I, would, I didn't have all the overhead as a young man that these big PI firms did in Louisiana. Now, these big firms, most of their members were sitting on the PI board, right? But I did go in, and I spent the money on advertising, and I was absolutely swamped. I had all cops that worked for me on their days off as investigators, and, you know, I was an entrepreneur. And I did really, really, really well at it until I got too involved in, in, in being a detective and had to let it go, right? I mean, in law enforcement and had to let it go. But what they did, the state of Louisiana, after me, because I was taking all the big companies cases they change the law now if you get your private investigator license you have to do an internship for however long it is i think it's maybe a year or two years i'm not sure you have to do an internship under for one of these big companies and they pay them like minimum wage and work them to death right i mean it's 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 kind of a shame but they change that because of me uh, and I guess other people like me who were coming out and who were the real go-getters and didn't have the big fancy offices and all of this 
you know, overhead, et cetera. And hell, I did good work, right? And so my advice on that is if you're going to get your private investigator's license, you need to find someone that you could actually want to work for. And that's not going to, you know, slave drive you, if you will, uh, uh, and just use you up and pay you nothing, right? And you're going to, and they, they, you know, they throw them out in the field and don't teach me anything. Find someone who can mentor you and work for them. And then, you know, you got to be a go-getter, right? If you're a go-getter and you have that drive and you want to succeed and you want to be the best, it could be a great and, and lucrative deal. And I mean, I did everything from insurance fraud cases to uh, even back then, I had a contract with Visa MasterCard. Anybody that opened a new business that applied for a credit card machine, I actually get uh, this company, the Visa MasterCard, uh, hired me to go out and inspect these businesses to make sure they were real legitimate businesses. And I had to do a report on it to turn it back in and make sure they weren't just laundering dope money. So, yeah, I mean, I mean it's it could be a very lucrative career, but you really, your heart's really got to be into it. And let me tell you something. Following people and surveillance and shit is not what is cut out to be in the movies, all right? It's just, it's hard. It's a challenging career, but, I mean, that's my advice. But thanks for the question, Cassie. I really appreciate you. Jeff Adams. Jeff Adams is always posting in the Real Life Real Crime community app. Jeff, we love you. And he asks, are we going to hear more of your stories? Well, Jeff... You absolutely are. And in after this episode, I'm going to go back to tell him my own stories again, right? I had no intentions of doing the Justice for Mary series. And I get contacted by families every day who have loved ones who have been murdered or, you know, hurt or whatever, missing. And you know what? I wish I could work them all. And I had no intention of working Mary's until I saw the images of her beaten face and and I talked to the family members and they, they t- said the detective said that she didn't have a mark on her and all this and you know, whatever it's, it, go listen to the series but you know Jeff I love telling my stories I really really do but if we can help a family like Courtney Coco's or like we're trying to help Miss Barbara Blunt's family right if I can do that I don't think I'll ever stop doing it. Maybe it needs to be another show. I don't know. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like those, but a lot of people are moved by it, right? But a lot of people just want to hear my stories, and I get that too. But yeah, Jeff, the lady that used to take care of me every day in the detective's office, pretty much ran the detective's office, Tina Stafford, now it's Pearson. Uh, She has since retired, and she is actually going to go and be pulling some of my old case files. And I think I told you all about this before. So Tina rocks, right? She's a beast, and 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 she knows everything that happened up there for 20-plus years. So, yeah, there's going to be plenty, plenty, plenty more stories coming, Jeff, and plenty, plenty more episodes of Real Life, Real Crime, Woody Overton being raw and unscripted. But, again, my heart goes out to all the people that reach out to me, I'm sorry that I can't work your cases, but maybe was maybe that'll change in the future. But I, I know a lot a lot of people don't come to real life real crime to hear about justice for Courtney Coco or justice for Miss Barbara or justice for Mary, right? But those are important to me, and it's important to those families. And for the rest of you families out there that 
I haven't responded to or I'll respond and, you know, and I can't do anything at the time. Maybe I give you some advice on how to get your case filed or whatever. My heart goes out to you and God bless you. So I guess, Jeff, it's one of those cases where it's kind of like having a migraine. You know, everybody knows what one is, but unless you're going through it, it you really don't understand. And and that's what these family members are doing. So, But stories are coming, brother. I appreciate you. Hey, y'all, you've heard me talk about my Warby Parker glasses before, but I'm going to tell you again because I love them. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty goal to create boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. Glasses starting at $95, including the prescription lens. Try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. It ships for free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at Warby parker.com slash r-l-r-c that's w-a-r-b-y-p-a-r-k-e-r dot com slash r-l-r-c now y'all let me tell you about it i had to take the quiz and they sent me the try on at home kit super convenient i got to pick out five of the pairs that i thought fit my face the best and then the styles of them i loved it sent it back in, and they sent me a pair as I tried them on. It's so simple and so easy. I'd never have to leave the comfort of my home, and I ended up picking the pair that I have on my face right now. They're blue, super well-made. The lenses are excellent, as good as any of I've ever had, and the and the price was fantastic. I love Warby Parker. Check them out. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash R-L-R-C. All right, so Pamela Hetherington, H-E-T-H-E-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. Pamela asked, was there, was there a single case that made you waver on your career choice? Uh, Pamela, really, really, really good question. You know, I, I can remember having some really dark days, Pamela, but as far as the the horrible things that I've seen in in stuff like that, horrible cases I've worked, as long as I got the juice, as long as I got the conviction and made the arrest, the no matter how bad they were, that's what I that's what fueled me, right? So they, those cases in themselves didn't make me waver in my career choice. But I can remember one day having to go to Jesus, the the I hadn't thought about this in years. To go to a dead baby case, and we, we most people maybe don't know this, but anytime there was a SIDS case, that's sudden infant death syndrome case, we had to go out and work them. We had to treat it like a homicide until we could prove that it wasn't. And that's the full deal, y'all. That's the full deal all the way through the autopsy, et cetera. And when the when the pathologist comes back and says, "Look, can't explain it, right?" You know, basically write it off to SIDS. But there was this one time 
I had to go to the hospital because the parents were there with they brought the baby in the baby they found it not breathing basically dead in the crib and they well, they rushed it to the hospital and we had to go in and take the baby from the parents to establish the chain of custody the baby was deceased obviously and that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do and it's taking the baby from the parents and man, I, mean, I, I didn't know you know we had to work each, treat each one of them as a homicide and I figured that right but to have to take the baby from the parents arms and they didn't want to let it go that's probably one of the days I wanted to quit and then going to that autopsy and then going back and and having to sit in front of this family who had the real red ass with me and I get it but I mean and tell them you know what the it's unexplained basically that that SIDS whatever they called it back then but I hated myself that day I really did Anyway, that that, that that was one day I almost quit, and, or I wish I'd have gone on to law school. But anyway, thanks for the question, Pamela. I appreciate you. You're awesome. Connie Gibson says, and Connie's been around forever, y'all, and all these questions I'm reading came from the Real Life Real Crime Community app. Connie Gibson asks, is there any update on Barbara Blunt? All right, I want to take a minute and talk about this because this – case and I know it doesn't seem like it and uh, it'll be two years maybe in another two months that I got the case and that um that Sheriff Jason Ard asked me to come in and help work it with real life real crime and the fans and you know Connie it's just like that day when Miss Barbara went missing and then the big storms come in and all the evidence is washed away literally and and everything's just it was like everything that happened in Miss Barbara, and I'm calling it a murder because I know it was, but everything that happened in Miss Barbara's case worked against law enforcement from day one. So almost like an evil spirit is trying to block things, right? It's the same, been the same things since we had it, the, the case when we, we were, we were slamming, we we're rolling. And then and I'm talking about Sheriff Ard had a copy of the file and, you know, hitting me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and saying, did you read this? I'm like, yep, I read that. And and we had we had some traction. And then guess what happened? COVID. The COVID literally happened almost overnight, it seemed like. And it shut, it shut us down. We were having meetings um, twice a week on, on Barbara Blunt's case. And so COVID shut everything down, the whole country, the whole world, really, right? And so that was one. And then we finally start coming out of COVID and get going again and then – you know, shit, I don't remember what happened next. But it was, but it's been like a perfect storm. Every time we get back into I want you to know it's being worked. But every time we get back into it, another something happens. And and it doesn't put the brakes on it. We'll never put the brakes on it. But it's like a perfect storm against us trying to, we'll say, prove who murdered Barbara Blunt. Okay? And not going to stop. Miss Barbara's family, the, the, her, her sister, and, and them, Miss Sarah. I mean, the they. I'm in contact with them. She asks all the time, and they're praying for me and stuff. And I mean, I, and I love them, and and I'm, I want to get justice for them. I really, really do. I want to get justice for this family. I want to bring Miss Barbara home so she can have a proper burial, and it means a lot. So y'all, it. I still get tips, believe it or not. Every week I get somebody sends me tips, right? And and whether I can work them or I put them filed away for a day that that I'm going to work it, 
or if it's a tip that I've received a hundred times before, right? It doesn't matter. Y'all keep sending these tips in because one of them is going to be the straw that broke the camel's back and it's going to give me the juice that we need to get a conviction. Now, you got to remember at this point, the the prosecution's only going to get one shot when it, when it comes time, if it comes if it comes time, when it comes time that her murderers are arrested, we're only going to get one shot to prove it in the court of law. And that's where you have to err on the side of the caution because this can sound really harsh. Miss Barbara's not going to get any more dead, right? The, the, I mean, she's been dead. A, a, she's been murdered a long, long, long time. But so time, as hard as it is for the family, time is really on our side, even though we have all these things hindering us. Boom, 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 one after another. And in the most recent one, you know, my home being destroyed and stuff like that. And uh, But and now, whatever. doesn't matter. The update is this. Y'all keep calling in your tips. Um, I think we'll probably do something soon on bringing it before her, I call it murderversary, to bring it back into the public's eyes. You can never have too many tips when I'm never going to give up on this case. The sheriff's office is definitely not giving up on the case. And I'm telling you that it's not over, okay? That's, I, but kind of I can't give you any more than that on on what we, where we're actually working on, okay? So anyway. Um, Shalila Hall, S-H-E-L-L-E-A Hall, who's again in the app. She's awesome, uh, been an awesome life forever. And I probably butchered your first name, but you know I love you. Uh, she says, do you have a case that haunts you? She, I have, I have two, and in they are very, very well-known cases, and I'm going to cover them at some point. Then let me tell you why they haunt me. All right. Besides Miss Barbara Blunts, that haunts the shit out of me. But I, I, I'm working it right. That's that's the difference on that one. But my actual cases, I am not going to say the names. The the people out there know who they are. I made arrest in both of these cases. There's two separate cases, murder cases. I got confessions in both of these cases, and they were never prosecuted. Okay, arrests and confessions, they were never prosecuted. I'm not going to go into why, but I'm going to cover them at some point, and I'm going, we are going to get justice for those people, uh, uh, those families, and you know who you are. I know y'all listen to the show all the time, right? Uh, and I'm going to get justice for them. Y'all ask about these cases. I, I just don't ever respond when you ask about them. The lifers ask about these cases. Have, you know, what about this case, Woody? And I'm like, mm, I don't say anything because... I don't want to do anything to mess it up because when I turn the gun sight back on those bitches, they're going back. To, they're going back to jail. But it's it's I can't say why. I, I know why, but I can't I can't say why, and I don't want to say the cases because I don't want those people to know that one day I'm still going to be coming back for them, even though I'm not in law enforcement anymore. Right? So I'm gonna hammer their ass, and you family members don't give up. Those two cases haunt me. Sheila, because there are murderers walking around that have been arrested, that have confessed, and 
I, I guess they think they got away with it, but they didn't. So we got to wait for a change of the guard, if you will, to proceed on those cases. And that's what's holding it up, uh, to be honest with you. But it's not over, and you're going to hear about it on Real Life Real Crime when I kick it off, I can promise you. So then I have Nathan Pontier. Now, Nathan is an awesome lifer. He's a, the former of the moos, uh, or the cows, I should say, and in just super guy and dedicated his life to public service and being an EMT, et cetera. Nathan, we love you. Uh, I, every time I pass through Marksville and, and I see an Acadian ambulance, I think about you. But he said, would you ever consider running for an elected seat like sheriff of a parish? Okay. All right. So, Nathan, I'm going to answer your question. Would I ever consider running from the elected seat like sheriff of a parish? Nathan, I thought about it one time uh, many years ago when I was still with the Louisiana State Police and there was going to be a change in the guard. Now, it wasn't in Livingston. It was uh, where my parents were from, et cetera. But long story short, I did not do it. And they finally got a change in the guard anyway. But I, as of now, no, I, I couldn't do it, Nathan. This is, It's not even a financial thing. Let me tell you something. You don't know how much work and pressure those people are under. Uh, the the sheriffs, I mean, the, you are responsible. You're the highest-ranking law enforcement professional in that parish, and you're responsible for everybody in that parish. And then and what the real problem kicks in is the culture of uh, cop haters nowadays, right? And then you're you're responsible for all your people and, and the actions that they do and shit, man. And Nathan, I don't know, bro. Uh, they, uh, I'm not I'm not politically enough correct for that shit. I can promise you, because um, I'd be ripping heads off and shitting down people's necks and the, the good and bad. I mean, uh, cops and the bad guys and and. Uh, district attorneys and judge, I judge. Uh, uh, no, no, bro. I, I, I'm never gonna touch that. All right, doesn't mean that that I haven't thought about it, but and uh, certainly I've been approached about it, and especially in recent years. And but no, I, uh, no. But love you, bro. Thanks for asking the question, and hopefully your wedding went well. I don't know if it's already been yet or not, but congratulations and and to to you and your bride. So, all right, and Francis Callahan says, adds to Nathan Pontier's question, says, I think Woody would be great. The <laughs> Francis, I appreciate that, sweetheart, and the, um, I think I would probably be pretty horrible at it the, the, because I'm not a politician, that's for sure. But you rock, thank you. And Joshua Ebarb, E-B-A-R-B. Joshua, I would like to know what, nationality or, or background that name comes from. I kind of have a fixation on names, right? Says, says Nathan Pontier. Now, that's a good question. I was thinking myself, but being selfish, I wouldn't want him to because he couldn't be as honest and tell everything like it is. Some of his best qualities is his, hold on, I gotta scroll down, his passion and honesty. Plus, he can truly help others no limited boundaries, just my two cents, but good question. Well, Joshua E. Barb, I really appreciate that, dude. That uh, means a lot to me, and I think God has me where he wants me to. You know, I, I can tell a, a great story, right? But if we can help some people 
along the way. And y'all, there's so many people out there that are hurting in, in, I mean, I wish I could help them all, but I try to at least steer them in the right direction. But the, we have helped some, and you probably never hear about it, but that's, I don't do it uh, for that reason. But anyway, Joshua, I, I appreciate that that comment, and you're right. I, I, I'm i not bound by the law enforcement guidelines, if you will, like I used to be, so I am free, so pretty priceless. All right, well, I'm going I'm to end that there, y'all, and that all those questions are in the Real Life Real Crime Community app. Look, go download it for free from the App Store. It's has so much more than what we have on the like the crew page. Uh, the crew page is great, right? Love it. Almost what thirty seven thousand members or something like that. But we started the app because Facebook keeps censoring my shit, and or even not even just mine. We got lifers, great people that put something there. Like Karen Ortolanda the other day puts a post about if. Some if if I somebody's talking during Yellowstone, I'm a choke slam them or something like that. Shit, they put her in Facebook jail for that. She, she was a joke, right? Hell, I love it. Was Karen, uh, Cindy, and I've watched every episode of Yellowstone, and but they put her in Facebook jail for it. I mean, I don't like to be censored. I mean, some people need to be censored. Obviously, it, 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 the only censoring done in the real life real crime community app is by me, and you have to be a real dick for me for me to to cut you out. But anyway, so we have like everything that's on the crew page, but there's so much more. There's true crime facts. There's games. There's forums, different forums where people can talk about that. There's the like the spot for the Lanyap page where people can post anything, right? But there's so much stuff. I and mean, if you just go look at the app, I think you'll be amazed how far it's come. It's awesome. All our episodes are there. I'm going there first now to respond to people before I go to the crew page. Not that I don't love the crew page, because I do, but I'm trying to, we're, tr- we're trying to get away from this censorship and all the shit that's come down, in, that's come down in the last three years. But anyway, it, uh, on top of that, it's just better. The Real Life Real Crime Community app is the shit. And, and if you're a patron member, Thank you so much for your support. A lot of the patron members have swapped over to what we call convicts in the app. That's where the subscription you get, you know, all the bonus episodes and you know, certain different perks at different levels. But but if you want to stay a Patreon member, I get that and I appreciate your support. But it's really easy to swap over to be a convict, and all the convicts are are the people that they're just patron members. We. I have an affectionate term for them. I call them convicts, right? So, but anyway, y'all, y'all check it out and, and if you get a chance. And also, if you get a chance, hit subscribe wherever you listen to Real Life Real Crime and leave us a review if you're so inclined. Now, I'm going to be doing another LOPA episode, Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. We've got over $16,000 worth of prizes donated for this raffle that I'm drawing on stage live at the third annual crew bash at the Texas Club, February 5th. General admission tickets, there are still some left, but I promise you they're going to sell out. And it's my 52nd birthday. We're going to be celebrating our third birthday of Real Life Real Crime, the awards we won this year, and all the good stuff, you know, the 
it was a great year. So, uh, and, and you know, minus the things like losing your home and stuff like that in a hurricane. But overall, we've had a great year, and we're going to throw down at the third annual crew bash. And but the Lopa, we want to do, we raised eight thousand dollars last year for Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, and y'all, it's a nonprofit, and all they do is is save lives, right? And 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 do studies and stuff like that. So they, it's a nonprofit. I mean, they got. I want I want to back up my heroes, right? So last year we we did a raffle. We raised $8,000. This year, I want to double it bad. But look, the prizes this year are amazing. Got at Turkey Hunt in Wisconsin with McLaur Whitetail Adventures. Got at Whitetail Hunt in Wisconsin with McLaur Whitetail Adventures. And I'm going up there, and I'm going to cook for the winners and, and hunt with them if they want me to. God, it's so much, y'all, that the – there's I'm, I'm going to do the, the episode – Again, but I'm gonna have the people that donate the prizes, uh, and we have everything from Dr. Coster in, in Kansas donating his already sold out ticket between for a basketball game between Kansas and Texas, and donating his parking spot right to Jim Chapman and local leaders donating a full podcast and and donating another Yeti, Captain Calvin Duvall donating another charter trip, and he's even putting together a custom-built fishing rod that's going to be auctioned off separately on that Friday night when we're having the private event at the Basin, and there's still a couple of tickets left for that. Y'all y'all go to eventbrite.com. February 4th and 5th, I'm going February 4th. I'm going to be all night lifers at the Basin. Saturday, I'm going to be the world-famous Texas Club, and I'm going to do the – Never before live interactive crowd podcast, adult only. And then we're going to do the drawing for Lopa. And uh, I'll hope we raise a ton of money. And then Chase Tyler Band, two time Louisiana Music Country Hall of Fame inductee, is going to take the stage after me. And I'm going to go upstairs and sign autographs until he's done. And then I'm going down and sing the last song of the night. So hope to see y'all there. But we go. Lopa is so important, y'all. It's it's fifteen dollars for one ticket, or you can get ten tickets for a hundred dollars. And the QR code should be everywhere by now. But we're going to do another episode on it and push it out. But I don't want to leave anybody out. It's Tiffany's card, Home Key Mortgage donated another Yeti ice chest, right? Just for him. That's Crystal Falgo. That's my stylist. That's where I go and have my hair, my beard, and everything done. They donated a, a Magellan. They call it the ice box, but an ice chest and a Yeti tumbler and a $60 gift certificate to go in and have have yourself shaved or haircut, whatever you want to have done. Brian Moore, Grainworks, uh, and he makes all this custom hand-built wood stuff out of Alabama. Another great life where he donated a chartreuse board. And it's beautiful. God, uh, um, Adel Spa. It, it, uh, uh, Adel Lane Spa donated a $500 gift certificate. I don't have it in front of me. It's so many of them. The, the store in Livingston, oh, maybe I have it right here. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, here we go. Southern Magnolia Boutique do, is donated a $200 gift certificate to the store and then, then a, another $200 gift basket of Sweet Grace products by Bridgewater Candle Company. And then uh, Susan Carey, is donating a 58 by 68 illumination quilt with China blue lanterns. And, and that's that alone is valued at $175. Y'all, it's just too many, it's so many to list. 
but it's like $16,000 in prizes. So, and you can, you can have a shot at it for 15 bucks or, and all you got to do, it's so easy. Everything's online. You, you scan the QR code, make your purchase of the ticket. It goes into the system. You don't have to wait on, uh, you know, like you did last year to get your, um, ticket receipts mailed to you and all that it's it's done and and it's awesome anyway i think i think it's awesome but the the if you come into the crew bash you coming in from out of town we got a bunch of lifers there might not even be any rooms left but the capital center hilton y'all the code is rlrc1 that the regular room rate was 221 a night now it's over 300 dollars a night but we have Rooms reserved, and you get it for $121 a night when you use RLRC1, the code. And that, that is good from Thursday night through Monday morning. So it's, it's Thursday night through Sunday night. So if you're coming in, man, you, you ought to use that. That's where I'm going to be. I'll be there every night. And if you came in last year, you know we hung out there afterwards, after the party, if you will, and, and drank a bunch of beer. <laughs> and uh, But anyway... I love y'all, patron member convicts. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Uh, all, all lifers, I love you. If you can't be a patron member or a convict, I, I love you just as much. Thank y'all for everything that you do. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Um, I'm on Instagram at Real Life Real Crime or at Over to the Woody. Check it out. I post a lot of funny stuff on there. And anyway, that's it. If you are a lifer from Chicago, and you want to sign up to be an organ donor, go to lopa.org, sign up. Doesn't take but a minute. Be a hero. Give the gift of life. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media.